a chance for Mule and Burroughs. They score! And the Mules score! Scores! Three in a row for the Mules! Duke has to put it up at the buzzer! It's good! And the Mules win it! Coming to you from Allentown, Pennsylvania, welcome to the Mule and Mules podcast. Each episode, we'll talk to the coaches, staff, athletes, and alumni who make up the Muhlenberg Athletics family and are proud to call themselves Mules. Happy New Year and welcome back to the Muhlenberg Mules podcast. Our first guest of 2021 is Steve Nemes, who at the end of 2020 retired from Muhlenberg College after 39 years as head athletic trainer. Welcome to the Muhlenberg Mules podcast, Steve. Thank you. I guess you're about a week into your uh, official retirement. How's uh, how's retirement so far? Yeah, it's going well. Uh, it's it's different. I mean, like we had the opportunity to sort of do a pre-retirement in the fall and so forth. So that that was nice in that sense. That you know, to get used to each other a little bit and find out, you know, so with Linda and myself both retiring at the same time, my wife. So, but you know, by the same token. Uh, you know, just getting used to things. Reality is starting to hit in that, you know, hey, I don't go to work anymore. And I don't have, you know, the emails coming in. And, and, you know, it's funny, like, we normally have a department meeting Tuesday morning, I know I'm not invited to it, you know, and things (laughs) along those lines that are just a little bit, you know, going to be a little bit different from that perspective. I told them from the very beginning, though, you know, not that I want to be nosy by anything, but, you know, things come up. They can uh, always, you know, reach out to me and ask me questions about things or if there's stuff that they, you know, need to know from something that, you know, maybe I forgot to tell them, you know, this is what we need to do or that and so forth from there. So I'll still stay linked a little bit. You can Zoom bomb the uh, athletic department meeting if you want to. You can can show up as an uninvited guest. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. You know, we'll (laughs) see what happens. I don't know. (laughs) They could be talking bad about me now that I'm gone. Who knows? So (laughs) I don't know if I'll want to. Yeah. So almost 40 years at Muhlenberg. What, what made you des- decide to retire at, at the end of last semester? Well, I'll be honest with you. I mean, Linda and I were talking about retiring probably at the end of the school year. Uh, we're both going to turn 66 in the spring. And, um, you know, I, that would be 39 years, basically, you know, almost 40 years. And, and we had talked about that. And then this, with this whole COVID thing, I'll be honest with you, the, uh, the college did offer a early departure incentive and we looked at it and so forth and thought that, well, maybe this is a sign. This is something, you know, for us to seriously look at and so forth. And we did and we felt that it was the best thing. And the caveat to that whole thing was we had to retire by the end of the year, by December 31st. So that's what bumped it up, you know, from maybe the end of the school year in, in June to, to December. Plus, you, you since you you've been through a pandemic now as a as an athletic yes. trainer, you you can you can honestly say that you've seen it all, right? Yeah, not, nothing. Pretty else. much, <laughs> you know. I've seen a number of different things, and now this is one more thing to add to the uh, to the list and to the resume, more or less. You know that yeah, you've been able right. to get through it, and like I said, it's uh, it's something down the road to say that you know, yes, I uh, I went through this, and you know, so far, God willing, we're surviving it, and. Uh, haven't been infected or anything like that. Yeah, when when you write your autobiography, that'll that'll be the yes. last. Uh, the... <laughs> exactly, that'll be the 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 chapter to culminate everything. You know, that's right. So. That's right. 
So, you know, you came to Muhlenberg in, in 1982. You originally wanted to be a dentist. Yes. Read, but, but found your way into athletic training, which I, I, guess, I guess turned out to be a, a good move for you. But, but you came to Muhlenberg in 1982, and obviously things were a little bit different then. It, it cost 55 cents to mail a, a first-class letter uh, nowadays. Do you know how much it cost in 1982? I think it was maybe 10 cents. 20 cents, 20 cents. 20 cents, okay. Well, it wasn't that long I'm even ago. dating myself farther back, yeah. but 20 <laughs> cents, all right. Yeah, I really, most of my letters went through the department, so I really didn't have to work. I didn't really yeah. pay attention to that portion of it. Plus, people actually use mail back then. Uh, you know, yes, definitely. Mail stuff but also, in terms of work, Muhlenberg had, had 14 sports. Now, Muhlenberg has 22. You were the only full-time trainer then. Now, there's, there's five full-time trainers in, in the Muhlenberg Athletic Training Office. Just talk about uh, some of the changes that you saw, you know, through the years, you know, from the time you arrived uh, until the time that you left. Like you said, some of the changes, gosh, there's so many of them. You know, I was fortunate in the sense that it's say fortunate, but when I first arrived in 82 was when they first opened up the new wing of the uh, sports center, called it the life sports center at that time. So the training room uh, was brand new at that time. Uh, I did not have any say in, in the development of the room or anything like that, because it had already been established prior to me being you know, hired and so forth. But as far as that goes, like you said, I was the only one there full time. Uh, shortly after, I was able to accrue a part time person and uh, and he worked with me for quite a while. And then eventually we moved on. But to, to work out of that, like you said, as far as the training room specifically goes, we had uh, I think I had three treatment tables in there. I had my office and we had uh, two whirlpools and that was uh, about it. But, you know. It's funny because uh, to me, that was um, actually a big step up because I had worked prior to that at the hi- at a high school in the area. And my uh, my training room consisted of an old, uh, basically, closet, which consi- which had, you know, two small tables in it. I had one small whirlpool and the other one I used was a garbage can I used for a coal whirlpool. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and that was... Uh, that was the the extent of what I had available to me. So moving up into this was, you know, like a big step up in the world. But when you, you when you look at what's taken place since then and all the things that have transformed and and so forth, it's been a lot different. I mean, people were different. The uh, the teams, like you said, we had fourteen teams at that time, as compared to the twenty two that we have right now. Everything was operated out of that one room, which we still operate, but it's probably what two and a half times the size of what the one was that we originally had. Obviously, things change. People change. Things have changed over the years. Athletes have changed over the years as far as the type of athlete. I think I'm fortunate when I say the type of athlete has changed. It's just because of society and the way things and mentality have changed. But I think one thing that I like about athletics more than anything else is dealing with athletes. Athletes are athletes. And the dedications are there. And the way they operate and so forth, the type of people that they are and so forth. I've been God blessed, you know, to be able to deal with something like that. Whereas you don't see quite the same change. I don't think as you do with the overall population uh, and the mindset and so forth from there, which I enjoy, you know, you still have to get up. You still have to work hard. You still have to dedicate yourself. You still have to, you know, be there. The emotions are still there. A loss is a loss. A win is a win, you know, uh, the way you handle those things really hasn't changed a whole lot. How about some of the actual uh, 
nuts and bolts of, of how you deal with, you know, with injuries and things like that. I mean, I, 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 I'm thinking, you know, concussions is probably at the top of the list there, uh, you, you know, of what, how, how we dealt with them in 1982 compared to how we deal with them now. Yeah, I'd probably be in, uh, I don't want to say this, but, uh, you know, I'd be out of a job right now if we handled them the same way, you know, <laughs> now as we did then more or less, but uh, they have changed. So many things have changed that way. I mean, and I'd say the vast majority of it is obviously for the better. Uh, technology has really played a big uh, aspect of that. Uh, you know, just the handling of that, the, I would say, like I tell the, the younger people, you know, like on my staff and so forth, and I don't want to sound belittling. I mean, I, I keep myself up to date, but if I had to take the certification test the way it is right now, uh, I'd have a difficult time passing it, I think, you know, <laughs> just because it's gotten so much farther advanced. They've, you know, it's so much more involved than what we had before. And really, when you looked at athletic training, the only aspects of athletic training at that point in time were basically two different areas, if you want to call them that. One was working in a clinic and one was working in either a high school or a college setting. And they were pretty much, you know, those were the only two things that you have. Now, athletic training has advanced itself and, and has branched out into so many different fields from industrial to, you know, the medical to military to, you know, where they're being used in all different forms and formats. And I'll be honest, this COVID situation has even brought on another whole aspect of it. And people are realizing the value of athletic trainers you know, in other things that we're doing from COVID tracing to testing to, you know, the contact tracing availability from that aspect of it. And I've seen that, you know, we've even branched out ourselves. You know, you see so much different things. An athletic trainer has been, you know, we're everything from mom and dad to psychiatrists to, you know, you name it, you know, besides nutritionists, besides taking care of healing injuries, helping to recuperate and recover injuries and so forth like that. So I've seen a big change there, but I think the biggest change has been just how we've branched out and how technology, uh, not only from a, a computer standpoint, but just from an equipment standpoint has really advanced that we have so many more tools to work with now that we can provide, you know, a better care for the athletes and for the general population. Even to that point last year, um, you know, our football team was using sensors in their helmet to, right. helmet to measure impact. Our, um, our soccer team wore uh, heart monitors and, and, exactly. and sensors and things like that. That, that yeah, it, it's really kind of amazing. But it also adds layers and layers of knowledge, as, as, as you mentioned. That, that oh, yeah, your, no your, doubt about it. profession needs to have. Yeah, and it's, you know, and there's a lot more. I'll be honest with you, there's more work involved. You know, I'd say... With a staff of five, I, we're working probably harder and more now than I did as a single person back in 82, just because of that aspect, because there's so much more involved and so much more you have to take care of and, and deal with from that perspective that we just didn't deal with. We didn't know or, you know, and the, the knowledge, the advancements, the studies weren't there that we weren't dealing with that kind of stuff. You know, like you said, getting back to the concussion aspect of it, we we didn't do anything like baseline testing and impact testing and taking in the aspects of the different areas, you know, not only with a concussion from a sports aspect, but from an academic aspect of it and so forth. So, you know, there's so much more involved right now. Right. But technology makes our lives easier, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
when it works, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it makes our life easier, uh, but it just piles on more and more. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be viewing it from not within, but maybe if you can look into a crystal ball, any future changes that you see for athletic training or any, anything coming down the road? Yeah, I think, again, I think it's just going to expand to more and more, I hope. And one of my biggest wishes, and it's been a long time, and one of the biggest obstacles I think that we have is trying to break that barrier with a lot of administrative type uh, situations, not only administration from our standpoint, but I think they understand it pretty well, but just from the general population standpoint, uh, what we can do and where we can go and, and where we can perform. One big thing I think that is eventually, and it's been on the, the radar for a while, but is uh, using athletic trainers more in a capacity of, you know, privatizing ourselves and being able to be used as a, uh, another arm of, of medicine and sports medicine where we would actually be able to bill, for instance, you know, they are doing some of that now, private billing and so forth, but I can see that expanding a little bit more and I can see us being just that separate branch from other aspects of sports medicine. I think that's where it would go. Sky's the limit, so to speak. You know, I it just recently, I know there's athletic trainers are involved in the sports pro, or in the space program right now. So I think that that's where we'll go uh, from that aspect of it. I hope that we never lose our roots and still are, you know, where we are involved as far as, you know, maintaining and helping the athlete themselves. But I think we'll, we'll go on to that and to the general population more than anything. And of course, you know, you talk about the athletes and, and, and working with the athletes, you know, if, if you'd been a dentist, maybe uh, you wouldn't have had to be outside in the cold or, or have uh, be outside at six 30 in the morning for, for practices so much, but I'm sure being around sports teams and being around athletes, you know, there were a lot of memorable moments for you following our teams. Um, you know, when you started in 1982, Muhlenberg was still in the MAC um, for all sports. Muhlenberg joined the Centennial Conference in football in 83 and then in all sports a decade later in 93, which means you've been around for all of Muhlenberg's Centennial Conference championships, um, around 50 of them. What, uh, what are some moments that stand out for you you know, it's funny. I was thinking about some of that. And I'd say um, as far as the teams and so forth, uh, there's quite a few that it's hard to enumerate on, on exactly one of them. But I'd say one of the biggest experiences that I think I had was going with the soccer team when they made it to the final four. That experience, I still remember very vividly. Yeah. Was that 95 or 94? Yep. Yeah. Our current coach, Coach Topping, was actually a sophomore on the team at that point in time and so forth. But that was very memorable to me. I can't remember the year, but the year that I think FNM was ranked number one in basketball and we beat them was another one that, you know, sticks out in my mind from that perspective. That was also Obvi 95. Was it? Yeah, yeah. It was a good time period then, I guess, you know. <laughs> but uh, obviously, you know, more recently with the football team, with their success that they've had and so forth, some of the things that they've done. I think the successes of, you know, all the teams, the women's basketball team, obviously, with their championships, uh, traveling with them. Uh, that's one thing I, I enjoyed probably more than anything else was being able to go on some of these championship travels and so forth and just be able to be part of that whole thing and, and be with them to enjoy their success as well as their failure. You know, it's funny, and I've had the opportunity and was blessed to 
even have my daughter travel with a couple of these experiences when she was younger. Uh, I was cleaning out my desk and I can't say verbatim, but she had actually uh, written a poem about the, when we traveled down to McDaniel and we lost the conference championship. I think we were ranked one or something like that. We ended up losing it. Uh, she had wrote a poem about it and the disappointments and so forth and how the teams were, but yet how resilient they were, you know, to come back and how they were going to, you know, strive to do better the following year. And those are the kind of memories that I just remember over the years of doing stuff like that. You know, obviously, I think the first time that we had an NCAA championship here on campus, uh, having to deal with that kind of stuff was sort of a... Uh, you know, it was a double-edged sword in a sense that, yes, there was a lot more work, but it sort of brought that out of me, that adrenaline flowing and so forth, and the excitement of knowing that it was there, you know, and and just to see uh, what was all involved with it and stuff like that was very, to me, was very daring. And NCAA is good at, at, at bringing out, uh, adding more work to your plate. Always. <laughs> for all of us, as you well know, too. <laughs> That's for sure. How about some, some personal uh, memories, maybe athletes that you had a very close relationship with um, or, or helped get through difficult problems? Any, any of the kind of stick out in your mind that, you know, again, without, without using real names? I did. I mean, there was some, uh, I remember one athlete that I had who was a, a senior. He played football and baseball. He had uh, actually torn his ACL his last, year, last game of his, uh, in football and he was a starter for the baseball team and so forth. And I know he was devastated at the time. And uh, with his diligence and so forth, we were able to get him back and playing in the spring, which was, you know, at that time, uh, a pretty good accomplishment, I think, you know, for, for that. And I just to see his joy and his appreciation uh, to be able to get back on the field and be successful on the field from that aspect of it. I've had a couple others, you know, just – I'd say working within the closeness and some of the people that I've seen, the biggest thing I think comes back, you know, not only, you know, specific things, but the number of people over the years that probably brings the biggest joy to me is for them to come back to me either directly or even later on, you know, sending me a letter or even an email or something like that and how much they appreciated the work that I was involved with them and did with them to bring them back, you know, to help them either, overcome something that they weren't able to come back maybe in play. I had a couple of kids like that where the hardest thing I've ever had to do, I think, and again, gets back to concussions was to tell somebody, which I've had to do, unfortunately, a couple of times was, Hey, your career's over. You just can't, you know, we can't allow you to safely be able to come back and play again. And that to me was the most gut wrenching thing that I've ever had to do and to have them, originally obviously be devastated but to come back and say you know what I'm glad you did that because you know you really it's proved to me that you were looking out for me and not just looking out for the sport or for the team or the college or something like that from that perspective which I think gets lost sometimes and you know and that's one thing I think people ask me often and about didn't you ever have any aspirations of moving on to like D1 or something like that, you know, onto a major college? Sure, you think about it, but I said, no, you know, I found a home here. And one of the biggest differences I see between Division Three and Division One is Division Three really isn't a business when it comes to athletics as it is with Division One. And sometimes, unfortunately, there are decisions made at the Division One level that are strictly business oriented. And they can sacrifice or jeopardize somebody's well-being in the long run. I am not saying that anybody's putting somebody at a, 
high risk more or less, but, but sometimes there is, there's some sacrifices that at this level, you know, I'm not saying, oh, it's only D3. You don't have to worry about, you know, getting a kid back. No, you try to get them back as safely, but as, as quickly as possible, but you don't have that. And you're looking at the whole picture. What's their future going to be like? What are they going to, you know, what do they want to accomplish and so forth as compared to sometimes, you know, the focus is, and especially depending upon the sport at the D1 level, the focus is just moving on to the next step, to the pros or something like that. Yeah. Well, there's also pressure at the Division One level oh, to get athletes in there because of the money involved. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I have some colleagues who are Division One athletic trainers, and and it can be quite, you know, pressure. And, and the pros, you know, I know some pro athletic trainers too, and they you know, it's, it's different. And I, I'm, I was comfortable here and I don't look at it like an scapegoat, but uh, to me, this is where I belonged. Good. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure many, many generations, well, maybe not generations. I don't want to make it sound like you're older than you are. But, no, you're uh, correct. You're correct. Yeah. In that, Mike. You're <laughs> correct in that. I mean, that's another thing that, uh, you know, it makes you feel old a little bit, but also proud that I've, gone through situations already where when I first started here, I had student athletes who are now parents who have sent their students here who are now student athletes and actually have already graduated as student athletes. So I've seen two generations go through Muhlenberg College already in, in uh, a number of occasions. All right. Well, then then we will say generations of, of, of yep. Mule student yeah. athletes are, 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 are glad that you found a home at, at, at Muhlenberg and, and were able to... Uh, you know, to, to serve the, the, the coaches, the students and, and the teams for so long. Any, uh, any big plans for your retirement now that, uh, now that you don't have well, day to day, not, no, not a great, not a great time to be traveling, obviously. Right. And that's one thing that I think we want to do more than anything else is get some traveling done. So right now we're sort of laying, you know, you're laying low, obviously, you know, you're not, you know, there's no specific plans. I can't say, yeah, I want to go here or go there. Um, I dabble in, in some other things. Uh, I'm just recovering from shoulder surgery injury. I do love to play golf. I'd like to get back into that again and do that a little bit more than what I have been doing, especially lately. Um, I dabble in woodworking a little bit, and I want to do some of those. Those are just some of my uh, hobbies, more or less, that I have. But like I said, we do want to travel. One thing I told my wife, Linda, Early on, many years ago, I said, when I retire, one of the first things I want to do when we're able to do it is I want to go to New England in the fall. I've, never, I've always wanted to see what it's like in the fall because it seems like every time I get up there, with the exception of maybe one or two football games or something like that where I traveled, you know, it's been a winter time or something like that. Uh, by the time championships come around that I've been able to go up there. But obviously, as you know, the fall is probably one of our busiest times of the year. And I've never been able to get away and be able to do something like that. So I'm looking forward to being able to have, once we're, we're able to do that on a comfortable levels to do that, uh, do some traveling. I have a brother that lives out in the state of Washington. I want to, you know, take some time and go out that way and do, you know, visit him and, and just uh, travel around and do some things and hopefully be able to see some friends that I have through, you know, I'm lucky to be around this long enough that I have friends throughout the entire country that just, uh, you know, hobnob a little bit and, and go from there. I'm not a real big, I've never really been keen on traveling, you know, to Europe or anything like that. Maybe we will one day or, or, you know, take a cruise or something like that, but I'd like to, you know, do some traveling within the country. We're talking to Steve Nemes, who uh, just recently retired as Muhlenberg's head athletic trainer. And 
as we do at the end of all our podcasts, we'd like to ask you some getting to know you type questions. So let's start with this one, Steve. What's your favorite quote? I'd say my favorite quote is one I came across a while ago, and it was actually from a cancer patient that I always, it's stuck in my mind. I actually have two. One, I can sort of paraphrase this. This one, though, stuck in my mind. And it just says that, you know, people say you only live once, but really you only die once and you live every day and live that to the fullest. And that's one thing I've tried to keep in mind that, you know, you want to make every day, sort of speak, you know, possibly your last day. And just to try and live that to the fullest, to, to, to give yourself to people and, and go from there. And one along those lines maybe is, and I'm paraphrasing this, you know, in order to be a good tennis player, one of the first basic things you have to do in order to be a good tennis player is learn how to serve. That stuck in my mind as far as, you know, learning how to serve people, serving yourself and never forgetting about yourself also, you know, from that perspective. Sometimes in this, I think especially in our jobs, we have a tendency to get so wrapped up in, in helping everybody else that we forget about ourselves. And we have to try and sit back every once in a while and just think about ourselves and, and our families and, and go from there. So I'd have to say those are probably my two uh, that I try to concentrate on or just remember the most. Something about you that people would be surprised to learn. I was born back in the 50s. And so a lot of medicine wasn't very well, you know, it was it was known, obviously, but there wasn't the same that they have now. And I was born with a, an allergy to milk, which you wouldn't know now because I love it. But um, I spent the first three months of my life in the hospital. I almost didn't make it. So I think that puts a perspective on things right there uh, from that aspect of it. You know, my mom tells me that uh, yeah, they, there were several times when, you know, they brought the priest in. And so that's one thing I'd say that, you know, people don't know really about me that much. I mean, obviously, I don't say that that much and stuff, but uh, has put a different perspective on my life from that, that uh, end of it. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that has made an impact on my entire life, I guess, you know, just being thankful that I'm still here. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. And, and, to go along with what we said earlier, there many others are thankful that you did that you did make it. Uh, here's another question: What is the best way a person can spend their time? Best way that they can spend their time, I guess, is not wasting it. You know, whatever you're doing, and that doesn't mean, you know, you have to constantly be on the go, but you know, just to 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 deal with the th situations that are at hand. Again, like I just mentioned earlier, put not only you know being a, putting yourself as, and your family in that equation, and just um, I'd say just living it the best that you can and to the fullest that you can, really. Like you said earlier, you people say you only live once, but really you only die once. You live live exactly. every day, right? So exactly. All right. Last question, and 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 then we'll uh, we'll let you go, and this will be your last uh, Muhlenberg responsibility, so you can. You can truly okay. retire after this question. If you could sit down for a meal with any person, past or present, who would it be? I'd have to say there's two different, two people that I'd like to. Besides, obviously, my dad has passed away. I'd like to be able to spend another meal with him, obviously. But I'd have to say somebody I've always admired was, one was Ronald Reagan. I'd love to be able to sit down with Ronald Reagan and just, you know, pick his brain, I think, not from a, not only a political standpoint, but just the way his character was and so forth. And, you know, just how he lived his life and just be able to 
understand a little bit better. I've read several books on them and so forth. And, and just to try and understand that and go from there. And another one I'd have to say, and this is something I think you would appreciate being a Mets fan, Tug McGraw. I would love to sit down with Tug McGraw. And, you know, he's always been, I grew up, you know, again, showing my age. I, I mean, I was a Mets fan uh, at a young age and, uh, when they first won the World Series and so forth, and and even before that, when he played with Tom Seaver and you know and him and um, oh what's the uh, the lefty and so forth, um, Kuzman. But Kuzman, thank you, Jerry Kuzman, and that whole team. I can pretty much go through the whole roster again, you know. But uh, <laughs> he always just his enthusiasm for the game, the way he played the game, and his excitement and so forth, always really. Uh, excited me and turned me on. I think I'd love to just be able to sit down and talk with him and just, you know, see his background and so forth and go from there. Yeah. Well, you know, he coined the phrase, you got to believe, or at least he made it popular. So exactly. Exactly. So, all right, Steve, well, uh, thank you for being our guest on uh, this week's Muhlenberg Meals podcast, our first one of 2021. Thank you for all you've done for Muhlenberg over the years and, and wish you the best, uh, best in your retirement and, we know we'll see you around. Yes, you will. And thank you again. Thank you for having me today. Uh, again, I have to give a shout out to you for the uh, uh, what you put together for me. That video that you put together for me was fantastic. And that will be one of my favorite memories also uh, from the school. I wish everybody at Muhlenberg the best of luck. And um, as I've told people and the, they laugh at me, I said, now I can come back and I can yell at the referees and not have to worry about uh, get causing any problems with the teams or anything like that. So I can sit on the other side of the fence and enjoy myself from that perspective. And uh, if I get totally disgusted with a team, I can just walk out and leave, you know, yeah. so we'll <laughs> But no, in all seriousness, uh, I definitely uh, hope to be around and they will always, you know, Muhlenberg will always be in my heart no matter no matter what. Thank you. The Muhlenberg Mules podcast is a production of the Muhlenberg Office of Athletic Communications with Joe Widener, Zoe Keim, and Marty the Mule. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at mulespodcast at muhlenberg.edu or call our pod line at 484-664-4001 and leave a message. We will answer questions in future episodes. The Muhlenberg Mules podcast is available on Apple, and Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us, and recommend us to your friends. For the latest in Muhlenberg College Athletics, please follow us on social media at M-U-H-L underscore S-P-O-R-T-S. Until next week, Go Mules!